It is Jeff Fitoff Show. I am Tito Jeff Fitoff. I'll be on Twitter at That Happens. Thanks so much for tuning in. Got a lot to get to today. Um, been a minute since I've done one of these, but uh, lots lots to get into today. So the uh, Coswell playoff has been exciting. starting with the 2024 season. That is, we have one more year of the 14 playoff here. It'll be th- next year. We have this year to finish up. Next year uh, also will be the 14 playoff. Then after that, we go to the 12 team. Six automatic bids to the conference champions. Six wild card bids. And uh, the uh, group of five guaranteed at least one spot in there. Now, this is great for college football on a lot of different levels. 12 is a good number. I originally wanted 16. I at least wanted eight. But 12 is a good number. What we now is a benefit to being one of the top four ranked conference champions. Because if you're the top, one of those top fours, you're going to buy in the first round. But the other thing is seeds five through eight will get to host playoff games in the first round. On-campus, on-site playoff games for that. It's going to be really uh, interesting to see how that plays out. A nice benefit for those teams seeded five through eight. Nice benefit of fans. And it'll be fun to see something new where you have something like that on the line, a elimination uh, game on a campus site. So um, the, the one team that I think gets kind of – the deep, I don't want to say get screwed because they never really get screwed. But the team, it really hurts. It hurts and helps. It helps Notre Dame because now they have – whereas before there were just four spots they could try to get into, now they're going to have a, a potential for six because of the fact that um, you're going to have the six conference champions in. So they get a, a better chance of getting in. But they will never, ever have a first-round bye. They will always have to play the X game if they make the playoff because they're not a conference champion. And the way it's built in now, again, it's the top four um, CFP-ranked conference champions. Those are the four that get the buys. So Notre Dame, because they're not a conference, will never have an opportunity to get to that. So anytime Notre Dame makes the playoff, they're going to have to win that extra game in order to have a chance, in order to win the championship. So. Advantage of them, easier to get in. Disadvantage of them, can never get a first-round buy. Um, and there's been arguments about, well, the record of the season now is going to lose so much luster. And the, people want to compare it to the college basketball situation where you've got 68 teams now. The college basketball regular season means less now than it ever has. You just have to get in the tournament. But uh, so like these early matches, you used to be able to like, be a top-two team in your conference to really have a shot to get into the tournament, a lock to get into the tournament. Now you see – like in the Big Ten, the top eight or nine teams might get into the NCAA tournament. So the regular season absolutely means less college basketball. I don't see that happening with college football. Having 12 is okay. It, what it does mean, though, there'll be more meaningful regular season games. For instance, I know Ohio State-Michigan this past week, no matter what, the winner was going to get into the playoff. That was a no about that. But the conference now Michigan and Purdue, Purdue's got a chance in this new format they would have a chance to get into the playoff, albeit a very long shot for them, a very slim chance. Nonetheless, though, they are playing for a berth. In Purdue, they're still not getting the playoff. Same thing with LSU. LSU against Georgia on Saturday. Right now, Georgia's in no matter what. I don't care what happens in that game. LSU could win 70 to nothing. Georgia's in. LSU is out. New format starting in 2024. LSU wins. They get in. And there's more games in the regular season that'll mean something because you'll look at teams and say, well, you know, they, they already have one loss. They get a second loss. They have no chance. With one loss, they still have a chance to get in as one of the wild card teams. So I, I think it's football. I think it's going to just uh, more meaningful games throughout the year. I don't know how they're going to structure it yet because uh, well, like the week zero, you know, they have that now. Do they still have week zero? Do they wait and start the week, the league, uh, sorry, the season a week later and just go with the real week one? 
past week. We'll see. There's also now, I wonder if some schools are questioning their decisions to move. Uh, Texas and Oklahoma, both going to the SEC. Much harder to win a conference championship, much more difficult. Big 12, more of a cakewalk to get into the CFP as a conference champion. Same thing with USC and UCLA. USC and UCLA now, they go to the Big 10. It is going to be a tougher schedule than they're used to. This is the chance of getting to CFP. Pac-12 stay in that, what I still think is an overrated conference, but you have a better chance of winning that. It's going to make schools, um, it's going to make conferences more attractive to schools. A, a team like, you know, Cincinnati going to the Big 12 now, they get a shot to win that conference every single year. They absolutely do. An easier path into the CFP potentially for them. The Pac-12 might look more attractive to some other schools now because they have an easier path to get in because it is now a watered-down Pac-12. Um, decent schools there, but it's still a little bit easier to get into that. Um, the uh, USC and U- Utah play tonight in the Pac-12 championship game, and if USC loses this game, it opens the door for Ohio State to jump into the CFP, which I think they would. Um, Utah and USC played the nail-biter their first time out. Utah won by one point. I think it was 43-42. to 42. Utah's got a uh, real shot at winning this game in USC tonight in Las Vegas. So we'll know by 4 o'clock Saturday, Eastern time Saturday, how much, of, if any, of a shakeup will occur in the CFP because TCU and Kansas State play at noon on Saturday in the Big 12 championship game. But very small point uh, point spreads. I think USC is favored by like a point over Utah, uh, TCU by like two or two and a half over Kansas State. If both teams lose, that would set up for a huge controversy in the CFP. If you, um, the, the widespread belief is that Utah, I'm sorry, that TCU is in no matter what. I don't buy that. Uh, the Big 12 is a, is a weak conference this year, in my opinion. And if both of them lose, I think it's very real possibility you could see Ohio State and Alabama both sneak in. And how crazy would that be to have two SEC teams and two Big Ten teams potentially facing off? You could have Michigan and Ohio State in the semifinals, also Georgia, Alabama. That'd be incredibly odd for college football, but it would be pretty cool to see. Give Alabama a shot at Georgia to show if they're really um, that far off from where they were last year. So uh, lots to this college football weekend is going to be fun. There's Again, there's only really two games that matter. Um, I know that the uh, two-lane game matters because Hunter Bat is uh, going to get guaranteed to be a, one of the, the New Year's Six Bowls. But nonetheless, the two games that really matter, one Friday, one Saturday, We'll all be wrapped up by 4 o'clock Eastern time Saturday, and we'll know then. We should have a better idea of what the CFP is going to look like when the final rankings are revealed on Sunday, and we'll see who's going to be going to the playoff, who's going to the bowl games. There's talk that if Ohio State um, does not get in the CFP, you know, normally it would slot straight to the Rose Bowl. The Rose Bowl may pick Penn State. The Rose Bowl has to pick somebody else they want to to come to the Rose Bowl from the Big Ten. And because Ohio State was just there last year, they only sold 13,000 of the 20,000 allotted tickets. Um, that were given to them, and that the Rose Bowl might be afraid that Ohio State fans will well look. It's sad to think that's our now college football, though the Rose Bowl, a consolation prize for Ohio State. It used to be the prize. National championship didn't matter as much. It was winning the Big Ten, beating Michigan, and going to the Rose Bowl. That was it. And so the Rose Bowl was the pinnacle of the season for Ohio State. The Rose Bowl has become an afterthought. It is a disappointment for Ohio State fans and the Ohio State football program if they don't go to the CFP. So. Uh, the Rose Bowl could elect to take Penn State to play in that game. 
which would then relegate Ohio State to the Orange Bowl, which then Ohio State would likely play Clemson as long as they beat North Carolina State in the uh, ACC championship game. So lots of moving parts in that. Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if, uh, if Penn State did that. By the way, there was a season, I think it was like 1992 or 1993, before all the um, the BCS stuff was going on, and uh, teams had uh, teams, independent teams like Penn State, where they, they accepted bowl bids were offered bowl bids usually like November, end of November, December, when bowls were trying, well, some of these bowls without conference time, trying to secure the best ones they could. There was a season, uh, and I want to say it's like 92, maybe, maybe, maybe 91, but Penn State, before the season started, in July, in July, before the season started, Penn State accepted So no matter what happened their season that year, the bowl was confident enough in Penn State, Penn State was confident of themselves that they, they, they committed to a bowl like two months before the season even started. Insane. Would never happen today. Much on uh, to take a risk or take a team without them playing a single regular season game. Um, Luke Fickle, Cincinnati head coach, had a lot of success there, led him to the CFP last year where they got beat by Alabama, undefeated season. Fickle leaves Cincinnati to go to Wisconsin. Terry Holmes named the interim coach for Cincinnati, whatever bowl game they end up going to. I was surprised that Fickle went to Wisconsin only because I believe that Fickle, the former Ohio State um, defensive lineman, Ohio State is his dream job, I believe. I think that he really wants the Ohio State job. He could have had the Notre Dame job last year, did not go with that one. He could have had the Michigan State job a couple years ago, did not want to go with that one. He held out. I kept thinking all along he was holding out for the Ohio State job. Hell, the USC job was a possibility for him before they got Lincoln Riley. Kept holding out on that, I believe, because he wanted to be at Ohio State. I still believe that's the case, but I think that he must have gotten some kind of intel that the Ohio State job was not going to be a possibility for him in the near future. Although Ryan Day, stupidly, Ohio State fans think Ryan Day should be fired after what happened against Michigan, losing two in a row, to, despite the fact that he's lost five games in four years. Okay, so even if like he thought Ryan Day might be gone in three years, he must have gotten that. Ohio State would probably go with like Mike Vrabel or try to pursue Brian Hartline over Fickle. That's all I can think of is why Fickle would take the Wisconsin job now. Because really, he has taken himself out of the Ohio State running, in my opinion. I don't think Ohio State will hire after you go to Wisconsin. A lot of talk about Vrabel should be the next coach for Ohio State. Brian Hartline, the, uh, the incredibly talented wide receivers coach who has recruited that room tremendously and, and will – He'll probably calling the play as the OC. I think that'll happen. But Hartline, though, was rumored to be a, a candidate for the Cincinnati job. Hartline came out and said, nope, I want to, this is right where I want to be right now is with Ohio State. So Hartline's not leaving. I, I got to believe Fickle thinks that Fickle or will be next in line for the Ohio State job if and when it would open up. I, Ohio State fans are upset about Ryan Day. I, I, I don't understand it. He's one and two against Michigan. He's done a lot of tremendous things for the program. He and his family both have. There's no reason Ryan Day's job be on the line. I can't wait to see if Ohio State gets to the CFP and see if Ryan Day gets another shot at that team up north or see if um, they have a chance just to win the championship, how huge that would be. Uh, Cade McNamara, starting quarterback for Michigan last year in the 2021 season, when they made the CFP semifinals when they beat Ohio State for the first time in Harbaugh's tenure. He was a starting quarterback for part of 2020 as well. Cade McNamara now. He lost the starting job this year. He has transferred. He's got two seasons of eligibility left, and he went to another Big Ten school, Iowa. Iowa this past year, they were 7-6 and six right now is where they're at right now. 7-5 so right now, heading into the bowl season. But they were 122nd in the nation in passing, 123rd in scoring. So 
uh, is a talented quarterback, a huge upgrade for Iowa. And so they get him getting a a quarterback with Intel on um, another, you know, big 10 team is huge. It's a big upgrade for them. Cade McNamara to um, Iowa is big for them. Not a huge loss of Wolverines. They were still trouble for other teams in the big 10. The NFL. Buffalo Bills defeated New England 24 to 10 last night um, in Thursday night football. And uh, Mac Jones for the Patriots looked a great rookie season when Josh McDaniels was there. But now they've got Matt Patricia um, running the offense over there, making the offensive play calls. And they looked bad last night, overmatched by Buffalo. Uh, Josh Allen touchdown passes. And uh, James Cook had a decent game on the ground. And at one point, uh, Mac Jones was yelling, throwing F-bombs at Matt Patricia about the way the offense was being run. He wanted to throw more, said the short stuff wasn't working, said he couldn't run the ball. And like I said, multiple F-bombs in that. Matt Jones does not look to me uh, to be the quarterback of the future for the New England Patriots. And I know that he had a great year last year, a Pro Bowl year last year uh, with the Patriots, and Belichick looked like a genius again for drafting him. I think it was 15th overall in the first round, behind a bunch of other really good quarterbacks, uh, that really hyped quarterbacks, I should say. But Mac Jones, to me, is not the answer in New England. They're going to go a different direction. And I don't think they'll bring back a veteran. I think they will try to draft a quarterback this year if they can. But I think the perfect fit for them would be a big Garoppolo type if they leave San Francisco. They'll be a free agent after the season. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Also, so, uh, Mike White for the Jets came in and had a great game last week as they beat Ravens, uh, big for, uh, for Mike Wilson and uh, – Zach Wilson, number two pick from last year, who uh, uh, was benched and criticized the defense and looked very immature. The Jets need to cut their loss with Zach Wilson and let Mike White roll with this team for the rest of the season and see what they have. Let Zach Wilson just sit. And if Mike White does great, maybe he's your quarterback of the future. Zach Wilson's still on a rookie contract, so it's not like they are, are indebted to him in a huge way. It's not like a situation in Green Bay where Aaron Rodgers has got this monster of a contract or Russ Wilson in Denver where they can't afford to move on from them. The Jets could afford to move on from Zach Wilson and admit they made a mistake in taking him number two overall in the draft. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, uh, got hurt last week in the, the game against the Eagles on Sunday night when they lost. Um, and Jordan did great. I think it's time. The Packers are not going to the playoffs this year. They're not going to make it. Their season is lost. I know technically, mathematically, yes, they have a chance. They are not. The best thing they can do is roll Jordan Love for the rest of the season to see what they have. Two things will happen. One or two things will happen. Either one, he'll be great. They'll win some more games, and they'll decide, hey, this is our guy for the future, and try to find a way to move on from Aaron Rodgers if they can. Rodgers might retire. Rodgers might trade. He'll take all the money. Whatever. So either Jordan Love does great, and that happens, or Jordan Love does awful, and Jordan Love looks like crap out there. And if that happens, they lose more games. They move up in the draft, we have a better chance to take like one of the top two quarterbacks if they could get that high and get somebody. I'm not saying they'll get Stroud. I'm not saying they Bryce Young, but it might be, um, you know, Levis from Kentucky. They could potentially get him, someone like that. They could absolutely get another quarterback in there. If they wanted to move on to do that. So the Packers, the smart thing, play Jordan Love the rest of the season. See how he connects with the receivers. See what kind of a relationship he has on the field with the, the, the recent rookie superstar, Christian Watson. See what they have there. Got to move on, Rodgers. Some of these teams have up so much money in these quarterbacks, it could set their franchises back years. Denver cannot get rid of Russell Wilson. They can't do it. San Francisco gave up way too much to get Trey Lance. They can't really move on from him unless they can sign Garoppolo to a recent, a recent 
Aaron Rodgers, his contract is such a monstrosity. And they need to see what they have with Jordan Love to see if they want to keep him long-term, if he's the answer quarterback. If he's not, draft one, maybe play Rodgers again next year. Let somebody sit for a year. But Aaron Rodgers should not play quarterback this year again for the Green Bay Packers, in my opinion. Uh, Gaylord Perry, former Major League Baseball pitcher, Hall of Famer. He died at the age of 84. Um, he was the first pitcher to win the Cy Young Award in both leagues in 1972. Won won again in 78 with San Diego. He was uh, 24 and 16 in his first season with Cleveland. And uh, he was famous for throwing the spitball, the Vaseline ball, baseball. He wrote a book in 1974 called Me and, Me and the Splitter. Me and the Spitter, I'm sorry, the illegal pitch in baseball. And he actually became more famous and more difficult to hit because of the, the, the player thought he might be. Like he had a long career. Uh, ended up winning 314 games, elected to the Hall of Fame in 1977, played with a bunch of different teams. He had a 3.11 ERA and uh, over 3,500 strikeouts. Actually, Johnson was a baseball strikeout leader with 3,508 before Nolan Ryan and Steve Carlton and other guys like that came along. But Gaylord Perry also finished ahead of him, five-time All-Star. When he played and then – uh, got traded to the Padres and then demanded at one point, like he left the Padres during the season, uh, late in the season of September, because he wanted to get traded back to the Rangers in 1979. He was so, so despised playing for San Diego, wanted to go back to Texas, demanded they trade. Back. And, uh, he did in 1980. He started with the Rangers, only played a little bit with them before he got traded to the Yankees, bounced around a little more. But one of the real characters in baseball, the reason I brought up about the Padres and about him, leaving the team for a while, like literally said, I quit in September. I'm not going to play for you anymore. Their season was already lost. They were very, weren't a very good team. So it wasn't like an impacted a pennant race or anything. Nonetheless, you see a black eye uh, on the game of Perry's career was that. And he quit on the team and said, trade me or I'm not playing for you. I'm done with you. Forced to trade. Nonetheless, still beloved in baseball. Players can overcome things like that. If they, uh, they can bounce back and things like that. A bad moment for Gaylord, but a great career. And uh, if you haven't read the book, me and, me and the Spitter, go check it out. It's a great book. And uh, he was—he did get caught cheating a couple times. Uh, he, he had different ways he talked about that he could cheat or would cheat while he was still playing. But uh, Perry passed from the age of 84. I want to leave you with one interesting stat that I came across. And it's from the 1982 Super Bowl, after the 81 season, uh, when the 49ers made their first Super Bowl against the Bengals in the Bengals' first Super Bowl. The 49ers won the game 26-21 in the Pontiac Silverdome. That game was made famous, by the way, because a lot of people got into the game late because there was a traffic jam as Vice President George Bush was making his way into the game. So different people got different uh, streets and the highways were blocked, which made it difficult for some t- players, people, I'm sorry, to get into the stadium, um, into the, to, the Pontiac Silverdome to see the game. But in that game, there was a situation where for five consecutive plays, five straight plays, the San Francisco United kicker, had an impact. Ray Worshing was his name. Let me explain how it went. First of all, 15 seconds left in the first half. He kicks a field goal, gives the 49ers a 17 to nothing lead. That's the first play. Then he kicks off. He does a squid kick. The Bengals fumble. 49ers recover. That's the second play. Uh, 49ers got called for illegal procedure on their first offensive play. So it's no play. Back him up five yards. Worshing kicks another field goal to make it 20 to nothing right at the half. That's the 
off before the half ended. He had to kick off again. That's four plays. Then to start the first, start the second half, Wershing and the 49ers had to kick off the Bengals. He kicks off. That's the fifth play. Five plays in a row involving kicker Ray Wershing in a 26 to 21 win. I'll try to throw a little stats out at every time. Jeff Fedoff Show. I do appreciate you tuning in. You can follow me on Twitter at Fit Happens. I'm Jeff Tito Fidoff. Thanks so much. Have a great day.